Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another live episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. Guys, I am jacked tonight. So much news, so much going on that we finally can really dig in. But before we get there, I, I don't want to skip over the fantastic introductions. I am joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's up, Dan? And no doubt we are like three kids opening like presents under the Christmas tree this week with all these free agent signings. Absolutely stoked. It's been a blast of a week. Uh, you know, the, the Rock Zoe energy drinks came, the PlayStation came, 20 free agent signings. I uh, spent a lot of time on my rosters and acquiring draft capital. It's been a blast. So really excited about tonight's show. And then to my left, left, right. I am joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? I know you were excited about New England. I'm very excited about New England, <laughs> but I'm not excited about all the signings. Like the best running back so far, I think, is Malcolm Brown. Maybe Carlos Hyde is the best one. Like I want Chris Carson to sign somewhere. Well, if we're going to skip over Aaron Jones, but I, I think <laughs> we're talking about that doesn't count. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So tonight. There's a lot we want to talk about, and we can go so many different ways with this, but I want to start with the free agent signings that we've seen thus far. And very quickly, let's go through the quarterback position. We saw Jameis Winston another year in New Orleans, Cam Newton another year in New England, Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton getting some dynasty life, getting some value pumped back into him one year in Chicago. And then we just recently saw Jacoby Brissett one year in Miami. Dan, what are your thoughts here? Obviously not the biggest of names, but still certainly some dynasty super flex implications. Oh, John, man, you, you just brought like a smile from ear to ear with some of those names you listed. I, I think Mitch was being a little bit of a Debbie Downer to start the show. Personally, they're not excited about these free agents. We still got more time, Mitch. Let's not, you know, all in one day, two days. Those, those running backs are going to go soon. Um, you know, a lot of stock rising on, on my dynasty rosters, specifically Cam Newton. That was like a rebirth to me. As you guys know, I've got a couple of rosters that I was a little bit nervous about that. And uh, not only, you know, is, is Cam back, but the supporting cast that they're building around him is very encouraged, uh, encouraging. You know, in the GOAT Bill Belichick, I trust. I, I think he's putting that team in the right direction. I know Mitch is excited about talk about the Patriots tonight and that direction. Andy Dalton's a big one. You know, he's got him. You guys, you guys know the 20th round of our one dynasty startup, and, and there's a starting quarterback now for the Bears. I really had a good feeling that he was one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think he's a long-term solution for the Bears, but when you need depth and you need a starting option, you can get him at a value. I had him, and I, and I think a lot of owners who backed up Dak and had to deal with that injury last year had Dalton just sitting on a roster, and you at least got some value now. So I think that I think it's a plus for now. Now drafts upcoming i don't know how excited i am about the bears in their direction we'll have to see how that plays out and it did not take long what th not even three minutes in for my first error of the night you know i'm gonna start a chalkboard i forgot about Th ryan fitzpatrick you guys you gotta remind me jb M mr fitz magic so let me ask you mitch mm -hmm. you have cam newton like i said 
Jameis Winston, Fitzpatrick, Dalton. Uh, sorry, Jacoby, we're going to skip over you for this. How would you rank those four moving forward? You're in a startup. Who are you willing to pull the trigger on first? You're in an existing league. Who are you looking to acquire and what might that price look like? So let's rank those four first. Okay, so it's going to be Cam Newton first. I mean, we could get into that offense when we hit the tight ends later. Yep. But let's go Cam, Fitzpatrick, Dalton, then Jameis probably. And I mean, they're probably a second is going to be fair in a 12-team league. I think getting a first for someone like Cam or Fitzpatrick is going to be really hard still. I think that's going to be really hard. If I could get a first for any of them, I'm going right. to have to go to Verizon to but get the, a new phone. The problem always is we be like, <laughs> we say a first, but no one's going to give it. And no one's probably going to give you a starting quarterback for a second either. So it falls in that weird in between. I think you could get one for Fitzpatrick. I don't think you can for Cam at this moment. But I just wanted to talk about New Orleans real quick. Because I've seen, and I want to get you guys' takes on it, because I've seen a lot on Twitter saying, hey, they're going to do dual quarterback. Like, I don't see that happening. I think that is some weird fallacy that's going around. What I see happening, Taysom Hill is going to start until Taysom Hill fails. If Taysom Hill fails to be, you know, an adequate starter, then I see Jameis coming in. But I don't see, we know that Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. Loves him. Taysom Hill has been in the special teams meeting room. He's been in running back meeting rooms, all the different meeting rooms. This is going to be his first offseason to where, hey, you're the quarterback, you get a start. That's what I see happening. Like, I am not going out and buying any Jameis Winston shares because I think he is a backup quarterback at this point. Well, wait, let me ask you, because on previous episodes, you even mentioned that you thought Jameis Winston was going to be returning to the Saints. But I thought, maybe I'm, maybe I'm mistaken here, I thought you said he would be the starter. So I did. Now you're whistling a different tune. <laughs> I'm changing. I'm changing because and, that, and that's okay to change yeah, our minds. It definitely comes down to everything we've heard, seen so far, right? I mean, when you just look at that Saints organization, they never once have been like, you know, Jameis is going to be the guy. We have heard them say Taysom Hill is going to be the guy. And so in my view, for the cost, I would rather just not even worry about Jameis Winston right now. Um, if I'm probably not going to go out and try to acquire Taysom Hill either. But if I have to pick between the two, which one's going to be the starter week one of the season and play 98% of the snaps, it's going to be Taysom Hill. I tend to agree with you. I do think Taysom Hill is going to get the first crack at it. I honestly did not expect Jameis Winston to go back. Whenever we talked about it throughout the offseason, well, I act like it's August here. Throughout the early stages of the offseason, I said that Jameis Winston was going to get paid and go elsewhere. And that's what I fully believed here. But with Jameis Winston, it's a $12 million deal for this year, but a lot of that is incentive laden. It's, it's, uh, Mitch, you described this really well that the, these teams, they can give these contracts where it's incentives that are not believed to be reached. Yeah, exactly. There's a different word for it. I can't think of what it is right now, but it's based off your prior stats. So the example that I used, Chris Carson. If someone wanted to give him a deal, hey, you're going to run for 1,000 yards this season, you get $5 million. That's going to be included in the salary cap. Now, if they go to someone like Carlos Hyde, say, hey, you need to run for 1,000 yards this season, that's not going to count on this year's cap. It'll count on next year's cap. And I think, and don't do not quote me on this, but I believe Winston's cap hit, like, isn't it like it's $3 million, two yeah, and a half? It's, like, it's minimal because it's all 
the like, like we said, I'm sure my wording is completely butchered here, but incentives that are not expected. Yeah, it's like to, not likely to be reached or something like that's what it's called. Right. So uh, you talked about first round picks. We can throw away the first round pick conversation here. And, you know, we don't want our listeners going out. Well, this is my expectation. Right. But I, I don't think I think it's going to be tough. And Dan, you can you can talk about this in a little bit more detail. You have Cam Newton on several rosters. If I offered you, let's say, like the 206, is there any chance that I'm getting Cam Newton from you? And I know that it's not an absolute or it's team not very specific. Yeah, yeah. It's very team specific as Cam Newton, your quarterback, too. There's a, a few different factors here, of course. I'm going to say you're probably not because my, my glass that was before this week half empty now is half full again. And when I look at my rankings – and I've spent a lot of time on him this week. He could be like he's kind of teetering on like the back end of my second tier quarterbacks. When I say second tier, I'm like 13 through 24. So he's on the back end of that second tier to maybe the beginning of the third tier, but he's got upside. He's got potential to do more. Like I really do believe there is something to learning a new offense, getting COVID, having zero weapons, you know, just getting healthy for the first time. So I think New England's investing in him. I think he's got, he's determined to prove it, and I want to have him as my quarterback. And I think there's a big gap between him and the rest of the quarterbacks you guys are talking about right now. So if we went into a startup draft, I may acquire Cam Newton. I'd be I'd be interested in targeting him. The other three quarterback situations, I do not want anything to do with. I, I do not see myself putting myself in a position where I would draft any of those three as of today. What about Fitzpatrick super late, though? Because he's going to be the latest guy. He's mm-hmm. more than likely going to be the starter and he's great for fantasy. Like no matter who is out there with him, like McLaurin doesn't even have to be on the field. It doesn't matter who it is. Fitzpatrick is going to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns and maybe six interceptions. That's just up in the air each week. At cost, I think Fitzpatrick is, he's the one, if we're going to compare potential 2021 production versus cost to acquire, whether it's a, an existing league or a startup, he's going to be the guy that I'll be looking at. And just to wrap up quarterbacks, my rankings, and Dan, let me know yours after this, it would go Cam Newton, Fitzpatrick. Uh, it's so tough because the expectation is Dalton's going to start here in 2021 for the Bears. Is Jameis going to start like you just talked about? But out of all four of those quarterbacks, again, excluding Brissett, Jameis is the only one that potentially has a future beyond 2021, even though there might not be anything in 2021. So, but I'm still going to go, oh man, I'll go Dalton over Jameis, but I'm looking at those first three in a one-year window. Mm -hmm. And what can I get out of them in 2021? Dan, wrap up the quarterbacks. Yeah, Cam Clear one, And then I'm literally looking at Jameis, Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton in my rankings right now, all next to each other. So if you just want to call it Jameis, um, although I am a little bit undecided, Mitch makes you know some strong points where I could see Taysom being the more confident, the coaching staff having more trust in him. But I think that coaching staff is also kind of hoping they have something in Winston. Like they're saying, hey, maybe we could develop this guy. We know he has tools. You know, let's see how hard he works. We're not going to claim anybody the starter because we know both of these quarterbacks got to bust their tail to put us in a good situation. And then I struggle with Washington a little bit. Like 
to me, is just dynasty. Ryan Fitzpatrick is 38 years old, and I do not see myself in any of my rosters taking a 38-year-old quarterback in dynasty. Um, you know, if he slid to my QB4, you know, I mean, QB3, if I kind of messed up and it just kind of fell that way. Um, so I'm kind of putting – I'm rooting for Heineken too, personally, man. I know everyone lo- lo- loves Fitz, man, but he was, he was gutsy. He had some moxie at the end there. Uh, but I, I, I'm also a Cowboys homer, but Washington's going last on my list. I like this to the potential of the Saints offense. And then with Andy Dalton, I'm really going to be watching the Bears offensive line. And if they could just protect this guy and somehow bring A-Rob back and then you got Mooney, maybe he could be a quarterback there for two years because what options do they have? Who knows? But real quick, I just want to say on Andy Dalton. Wait, bitch. I know. I'm stealing your words. You just made fun of me because recently I've been really – I've been going with, hey, guys, real quick, before we move on, real quick. And now you're doing it. But this was actually going to be really quick. Okay. All I was going to say is Dalton on the Bears, I don't see him bringing A-Rob back. I don't see Allen Robinson being like, you know what? He's my quarterback. You take him out. They're already looking to move Anthony Miller. Mm -hmm. What's he going to do? Throw 400 passes to Colt Komet? I mean, there's a lot of Twitter who would love that, right? And I would actually enjoy it a little bit too. But that offense just doesn't look good. I I know they're going to go out. They're going to bring in more pieces. But right now, just looking at it, it's a bottom three or four offense in the NFL. Let's move Tariq Cohen to the slot exclusively. <laughs> and that's then let's just, yeah. let's just run the ball with David Montgomery. Let's give him 500 carries for for all I care. But uh, real quick, I, I, I do want to mention that Cam Newton, that contract, again, just like Jameis Winston, it's really focused on incentives. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's exactly in the clear yet, especially with what New England's done, who knows if they throw a curveball, they move up in the draft, they do something that we're not really expecting. But I still think Cam Newton, again, looking at the probability of things, he's the guy out of this group of quarterbacks I would prefer, ignoring value in a startup. But now, Mitch, you're on the edge of your seat because there were so many high-profile running backs. Malcolm Brown to Miami, Carlos Hyde to Jacksonville, that's it, boys. <laughs> That's and then I, I want to touch on Aaron Jones really quick. Uh, Aaron Jones got the four-year extension, forty-eight million dollars, and I, I got into some debates and conversations with people about AJ Dillon, and I have to believe they were people that just acquired AJ Dillon at a premium. And somebody said to me, "Well, I, th- things could be a lot worse." How you went out, you acquired AJ Dillon, uh, AJ Dillon with the assumption that Aaron Jones was gone, Jamal Williams was gone. In fact, Jamal Williams is. But even if he's on the wrong side of a committee, that's not what you just went out and paid for. That's my biggest issue there. Definitely. And people are saying, well, now it's a one-two punch. A.J. Dillon is just taking over the Jamal Williams role. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. A.J. Dillon cannot do what Jamal Williams does on the field. He's not a good third down back. He just isn't. That is not his skill set. And that's fine. He's still a good running back. But saying he's just going to take over whatever Jamal Williams did. No, that cannot be further from the truth. I like that. I mean, A.J. Dillon, he had two targets in 2022. Uh, So, again, we, we talked about the Packers so much last week. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But that was just something that really threw me off a little bit. But if you acquired A.J. Dillon in the second of your rookie drafts last year, you're still okay. 
you're, you don't mind that price you paid, but if you recently acquired him, that's a different story. Dan, Malcolm Brown, Miami, Carlos Hyde, Jacksonville. Any thoughts there? And maybe not necessarily for them, but Miles Gaskin, uh, James Robinson. I'll start with the, the low-hanging fruit of Miami. I, I think they're just building a good running back room. I, I don't think it really means too much for fantasy other than, you know, as you're building your deep bench or in handcuffs, you know, if someone got hurt, got dinged up, if there's any movement, I mean, I'll keep an eye on Malcolm Brown in Miami. Um, I, I don't want to doubt him, JB, because I did that to you a long time ago, and, and he kind of just – he's like that, you know, rash that don't go away and remains relevant. But uh, <laughs> but I don't think there's too much significant there in Miami. We have to see what happens moving forward. But the the, the Carlos Hyde one I love from the perspective of um, – I'm, I'm drinking the, the Mitch Sorensen, James Robinson Kool-Aid, and uh, that was just a nice backup – running back that will spell Robinson, keep him fresh, but isn't any risk to James Robinson's starting job. We've we've had Urban Meyer on record, I, I think, given a bit of a vote of confidence for, to James Robinson. And, and I backed that up this week. I, I traded my boy Zeke, which is a little painful for me to do, um, along with Mark Ingram, who in Dynasty, who cares, uh, in a 207 for James Robinson, Lombardi Lenny, in a 205, and my thought process is I think Robinson could be close to Zeke. He's a lot younger, obviously, so there's there's even a ceiling that could maybe someday surpass him. Hoping Pollard dips in there. Banking on uh, Lombardi-Lenny going somewhere good, so it's, it gives me two starting running backs. And then I've got some targets in the second round where it, it maybe it's just a minimal bump, but it might be the difference of me getting my guy or not. You mentioned Mark Ingram and another guy that slipped through the cracks here, but he signed with... But but uh, but uh, Houston, the Houston Texans, and Yay. is this just me or did like Houston sign like ten guys? I don't know who they are this week. Like they're, they're just like yeah. signing guys left and right with none of them having a fantasy impact. Yeah, I mean if if Mark Ingram scares you off of David Johnson, David Johnson probably wasn't that guy for you to begin with. But my thoughts, real quick on Carlos Hyde, he brings that familiarity to Urban Meyer. He he coached him in college, and. This probably is the best case scenario. It it would have worried us if the Jaguars went out and got Chris Carson oh, yeah. on the first day of, uh, well, not first day of free agency, legal tampering period. But Carlos Hyde, not really too much of a concern. And the argument I'm seeing there is, well, this just means James Robinson's not going to get 85% of the workload. He wasn't going to get that this year. <laughs> like th That's the <laughs> argument people are making. But again, we talk about the potential for an increased workload in the red zone in near the goal line. That's what's exciting us. But let's say he dips down to a 70% uh, uh, market share. That's still going to be okay. Yeah. If James Robinson was going to get 85% market share, and that's what everybody thought he'd be running back four, running back five, probably at worst, it, but no one's expecting it. That's why he's going running back 15, 16, 17. Right. All right. Sorry, Malcolm. Sorry, Carlos. We're going to move on here. Some wide receiver talk. You think this like guys like, well, we'll get into them with the, under awaiting a contract, but I feel like the wide receivers kind of shot themselves in the foot and somebody that I thought played it really well. And maybe it was just by chance or his agent really pushed, but Corey Davis getting that three-year contract right off the bat in New York. So we have Corey Davis to the New York Jets. Nelson Aguilar, two years, 26 million for New England. 
Kendrick Bourne, three years, 22 and a half million at New England. Marvin Jones, two years in Jacksonville. And then recently we just heard about Emmanuel Sanders and Buffalo finalizing things, you know, once they're able to. Mitch, overall, again, let's stick to the guys that have signed or intend on signing here. What are your thoughts? So Marvin Jones, I think what Trevor Lawrence is walking into is one, probably a top 10 wide receiver core in the league. I mean, they got DJ Shark, LaVisca Chanel, and Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is the perfect guy to put in a wide receiver room with those other two. And then you look at Corey Davis. Does it really quick, Marvin Jones, does it surprise you that that whole Los Angeles Rams thing fizzled out? Or do you think that was more narrative based by the media and maybe the dynasty community than anything else? That's right. He just held up his fingers for the cash. And that's what it was. The Rams, I don't think the Rams are still under the cap yet. I don't think they've even completely done the Goff and Stafford trade yet because I don't think either team is completely underneath the cap. But and then I was just going to hit on Corey Davis. Corey Davis is a perfect one as well. You have Mims. We'll see if Crowder is still with the Jets. It looks so far like they're going to keep him. I figure they probably would have cut him by now if he was going to be gone. So I think those are just two really good signings. Then as far as the Patriots go, they just need guys. I mean, they have Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, who hasn't really played a full season forever. And so they just needed guys. And I actually really like the Nelson Aguilar signing. Yeah, two years, $26 million. I. They, they have the money. I'm sure I, I, we don't know the, ex- I don't know the exact specifics, at least maybe one of you two do, but I'm sure there could be an out after year one there. Uh, Dan, Corey Davis, I, I have a feeling you're not too excited about the New York Jets landing spot. Still a bad taste in your mouth. Maybe you like Nelson Aguilar, maybe Kendrick Bourne. Maybe he's a big sleeper moving forward. Out of all those guys, I probably do like Nelson Aguilar the best. Uh, only because like everyone just kind of bashed on it when he went to New England. And before he went to New England, we were all talking about, he's kind of a sneaky play. He had a really good season. You know, there, there's something there in Aguilar. You know, there's some value later in the draft. So I think they're investing him. I think him and Myers in some capacity, Not, I mean, I think the tight ends are the number one receivers. But the, I just think there's something there. I think he's the guy that could – get some separation, get some deep balls, make some plays. Um, I think he's you know going to have an occasional drop or two, but he's, but he's a solid receiver. Corey Davis, he's like a big mystery, and I just still have so many questions, Marks, about the New York Jets, starting with their quarterback room. Um, you know, they, they need to sign a good running back yet. What do they do in the draft? You know, do they solidify that O-line even more? And then, hey, if, if Darnold gets some time back there, maybe there's something there in Corey Davis, but I'm just not settled yet. And – I think that Kendrick Bourne's just the, I think he's just a blocking wide receiver depth piece. Yeah. I, I think a few of those make a lot of sense. The Marvin Jones one, a great veteran presence, but again, from his perspective, as they say in the movie, Jerry Maguire, show me the money, you know, yeah, so. I, think Mar- I think Marvin Jones, John's going to give them two good Marvin Jones type years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just a solid play for Jacksonville. And he's somebody that if you have him on your dynasty roster, that's a veteran that can help you win. And if you're looking to acquire him, maybe you can get him for a third come time rookie drafts. You're not going to have to move a second. I would be shocked if you had to move a second. But again, it's going to depend on who has him and your, you know, the league dynamic. Mitch, before we move on to the tight ends, Corey Davis going to the New York Jets. How much do you believe this impacts Denzel Mims? And do you think it is going to dip into Chris Herndon season? I feel like it's Chris Herndon season every uh, 
uh, off season here. Yeah, I don't consider Chris Herndon a real tight end until he actually like stays on the field for more than four or five games. But as far as Mims, I think that stuff just helps. Like Mims isn't CeeDee Lamb. He's not Jerry Judy. He's not going to be a guy that goes out there and immediately says, hey, I'm getting 110 targets this year. I think Corey Davis is the perfect guy to wear Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, right? A.J. Brown didn't get a ton of targets, but he did a good job with the targets that he got. And I think that's something that Mims could do. Like, I don't think any of us are expecting Mims to go out there and be a wide receiver two this year. Maybe a wide receiver four in fantasy. And really at the price that you got him at in rookie drafts last year, that's a really good, you know, really good starting point for him. I just worry about that Jets wide receiver core in general just being average. Like, like, you know, when they get tough matchups, you just shut down Corey Davis and Denzel Mims. You know, how much production are you going to get out of them other than a sporadic week or here or there? And I still do think it seemed like it was picking up steam a few weeks ago and it kind of disappeared. But I do think they move on from Jameson Crowder. Uh, you know, I think it's like $2 million in dead cap. So it makes a lot of sense. And then maybe Mitch, he lands somewhere fantastic for us in our 40% roster ship. Yeah, 40 is a little low. I think I'm like 60. That's all good. <laughs> I'm around 40. All right, tight ends. Who would have thought we'd be so excited to talk about tight ends? John U. Smith, four years, 50 million New England Patriots. Hunter Henry, three years, 37 and a half million New England Patriots. Are we excited about the landing spot? Do we think they're going to cannibalize each other too much? Dan? I'm thrilled for the landing spots for Cam Newton. I like the landing spots for both tight ends because I, I think we all believe they're going to be heavily involved and there's enough, you know, the, there's going to be enough production to go around, but it does kind of cap. Like I was super high on John who thinking, you know, he'd be 10 touchdown guy, but no doubt Hunter Henry, I think is going to dip into those red zone touchdowns and then Cam's going to run some in the running backs are going to run some in. Um, so I, I do think it takes some of the high upside. Like I don't think they could catch in my rankings now the, the potentials of the, the Godert's, the fans, the Gusecki's, the Ingram's. Uh, I just think it keeps it behind those guys. They're still great. I, I love them on my rosters. Um, but there's – I would have rather just be in one. Jono's a really good blocking tight end. I mean, he's a, he's a gadget guy that could be a weapon in the red zone. He's a guy that could take one of the house because he's a, his speed. He's a freak athlete. But he will block a lot. And then I think Hunter Henry might get a little bit more receptions than Jono. But don't you think a lot of people are going to share that sentiment and their price is going to reflect that? Whereas yesterday at this time, well, wait, when did Hunter Henry sign? Was that today? Today was Hunter Henry. Yep. Was Johnny today too? Johnny was, was yesterday. Everything's one big day. Um, okay. So at this time last night, Johnny Smith, he very well might've been going, let's say tight end five, six, seven. Oh, yeah. But now, because of Hunter Henry being there, and I get it, that price is going to dip, but it's also going to dip for Henry. But if you believe that that offense, from a passing perspective, is going to funnel through the tight ends, th this presents a uh, perfect opportunity to look to acquire them at their new reduced price. My, see, here's my issue, right? Is like I love it from an offensive standpoint. I think... Some, something that Bill Belichick has always done is he's always been great with matchups. What we're seeing on the defensive side of the field right now is everyone wants to run three cornerbacks. They want to play their safeties and their linebackers are super light. So what is the obvious thing to go against that? You run 12 personnel. You have two extremely athletic tight ends 
that could take advantage of any linebacker or safety that's on him. And then all of a sudden you have 250 pound cam behind him who can run whenever he wants. Damian Harris is perfect for that. Sony Michelle does a good job with that. And so looking at this offense, I love it. But as far as tight ends and fantasy goes, I would be absolutely shocked if either of them hit 50 yards or sorry, 50 receptions and 600 yards because like Cam Newton offenses just don't throw enough for that to happen. Like if there was one, if it was Johnu, I could be like, you know, I could really see tight end six, tight end seven for him, but they're both going to eat into each other. And Cam Newton offense, just they're not a high volume passing attack. We know that Cam Newton wants to run 10 times a game and then they're going to have all the handoffs and they have all the backs to throw it to. And then they have Julian Edelman, who Cam Newton had a really good rapport with last year before Edelman got injured, right? I was trying to think if it was steroids again, but it was injury, right? It was injury. Injury last year, yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's just my issue with it is I don't think the volume is going to be there for the tight ends to excel. I think we're going to be really relying in the fantasy industry on those touchdowns of those guys. Like you're hoping that they each get one touchdown in a game and that offense is driving the ball. Because if you don't get that touchdown, one of them might get the catches in the yards and the other may not. Like it could be a little bit of a chess match guessing game week to week. Hey, which tight end is going to get some more targets? You know, you could end up with like three for 30 from one while the other guy has four or five, but he's got the touchdown. Uh, it'll be interesting to follow. I was offered a trade earlier today. And it coincidentally, it was immediately after I tweeted out about my optimism overall, especially at the reduced price for Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. And it was a two PPR tight end premium league. I was offered Julio jo- or scratch that. I was offered Hunter Henry for my Julio Jones straight up. And I got a little greedy. I should I, I wanted to accept it. Honestly, I got a little greedy and I tried to swap my Jamison Crowder with his Michael Pittman as well. And it, <laughs> was, little, it was rejected. And then I went into a, I had a work meeting work, always getting in the way. And when I went to look at my phone, another deal was completed. It was Hunter Henry for Corey Davis in two PPR. I still want Hunter Henry there. Yeah. Yeah. But two PPR is such a, it's such a low percentage of leagues. What about 1.5 PPR? That doesn't move the needle for me at all. So you I would, would rather have Corey Davis. Davis. Yeah. Dan. Hmm. It's like a wash. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe there's a little more upside in, in Davis, so I, I might lean Mitch's way, but it's close. All right, so if we're in a typical PPR, and I, we got to take off our tight end premium hat for a second. Right. Johnny Smith, where are you value, valuing him in terms of 2021 picks and let's assume super flex? So... I, 207, 208, 209? Late, late second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it would probably, I wouldn't even know if I'd offer a late second. It would have to be like an early third. Because in non-premium, you're, that's still Pat Fryermuth territory. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's certainly Brevin Jordan territory. I think mm-hmm. both of those guys are there. Um, I, I think really late second for either of them. There's just other options I would prefer. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I can get that. And I know there's a lot of people when you talk about tight ends, their philosophy changes. And you know they might look at it one way, whereas I certainly look at it another. And when you throw a premium, it, it, things get really thrown out of whack there. But I, I'm a guy, and Mitch, you are too, that we love our tight ends and tight end premium. And 
depending on the price, I still might be might be shooting a shot there. Well, you know, but, we love the ones that have volume too. I think right, George correct, correct. is kind of the only one who plays in a really run heavy offense that everybody still loves. But you look at Kelsey, Waller, Hawkinson, Fant, where we'll see where Pitts goes, but all of the highly ranked ones are in pass first offenses. Right. And the, the, more of the focal points of that focal offense. point. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing, free agent signings, Mitch, you're a big offensive line guy, Kansas city chiefs, Los Angeles chargers. They did some big things. I am loving this for, especially the chargers. Cause regardless, Patrick Mahomes could play behind five cardboard boxes and I'm still going to like Patrick Mahomes. But for the Chargers, they bring in Matt uh, Filer and Corey Lindsley. And I believe Lindsley was made the highest paid center in the NFL. Yep. But it's great for Justin Herbert. It's great for Austin Eckler. And obviously the passing options as well there. So and anything to wrap up the free agent signings? Do we miss anybody? Anybody I mean, else you just want to talk about really quick? I just want to touch on those O-lines a little bit there. I think very smart football moves, but I think both teams still have a little bit more work to do in those areas. You know, the, the Chiefs get the stud right, you know, stud tackle, but they just lost two stud tackles. You know, so really you're only replacing one. It was injuries right. that took it, you know, so I think they have a healthier elite tackle now that versus an elite tackle that you don't know when you're going to get them back. Um, they'll get Austin Ryder back at center who opted out because of COVID last year. So they've got a, I think they've shored up one side of the line. They could probably use one more guy. And then I think for the Chargers, you know, their line was a big liability last year. That was a below average offensive line. So awesome signing at center there. They've got some more competition and depth now uh, with the other one, but I think they still could use another lineman or so. But so go trending in the right direction, John, for two offenses that we love, but keep an eye out for both those teams. Hopefully they each get one more lineman. It sounds like the Chargers might be improving in Coach Dan's dysfunction rankings. Maybe a little bit, just a little bit. Well, those Chargers keep trending up weekly, man. Mr. Oh, Herbert, loving yeah, them. They're looking good. They're looking really good. All right. There are a few guys that aren't looking good, maybe looking ahead, <laughs> awaiting a contract. So a few guys that really pop off here, Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel, Juju, Will Fuller, Sammy. Uh, I don't even know why I put him there. Yeah. Sammy Watkins, T.Y. Hilton, Kenyon Drake, Chris Carson, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, Gerald Everett. Again, I mentioned this earlier. It seems like these higher-end wide receivers might have shot themselves in the foot. And it's funny because I was thinking about this. We saw reports that wide receivers, well, everybody was like, I want to, I want a one-year deal because the reduced cap number and the wide receivers that got signed so far, besides Emmanuel Sanders, they were all multi-year deals. So do you think that's the hold up here with these guys? Maybe Kenny's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not taking a two or three year deal. I want the one year deal. Give me 13, 14 million for one year. And then I'll go out after that next contract next year. Dan. Uh, that's tough to say. I, I think they're, they've, I think all these hiring guys like Galladay, Samuel, Juju, I think those three specifically have a market where there, there's gotta be at least two, three teams I would think competing for them and they're trying to get their highest dollar and or best situation. Uh, Curtis Samuel intrigues me the most. I just think he's a speedster that's very versatile, very young. Um, I'm really intrigued to see where Curtis Samuel goes. 
Uh, Galladay, we're all kind of chomping at the bit. You know, he's that number one receiver that a team could build around. Juju, there's some arguments whether he's a one or a two. But these guys are are impact players. I think maybe Aguilar kind of set the price, you know, mark here early. You know, him and Marvin, you see where they went in the price range. These guys are going to fetch some more dollars. It's just a matter of where. If I'm any of those receivers and I see that Nelson Aguilar gets two years, 26 million, you got to think that they're looking for a little bit more. And Will Fuller, I think he's going to be the wild card because we don't know how teams are going to view him with the the suspension. And again, it's only what one game here carrying over. Is it one game? Yep. And, only one. Yeah, but I, you know, does this issue pop up again? Uh, Mitch, your running backs. I think we might see a little bit. I think you also might be on mute. So, oh no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but no. So the good thing about the running backs is all of the good landing spots are still available. You have the Jets, Atlanta. I still think the Buccaneers are still looking for, hopefully Lenny goes back there. And then I was going to ask you, John, what about Pittsburgh? Like, what's the local talk in Pittsburgh? Are they just, is everyone, hey, they're getting Williams in the draft or Harris, and that's just how it is? Because I haven't heard one word about them actually like wanting to bring in a running back. The Steelers haven't picked up somebody relevant in free agency, I think since 98. No, you know, but it, it's, I haven't, I, I don't pay too much attention to the local sports radio. So anybody not familiar in Pittsburgh, we have the Yinzers and I've done that awful accent. The yeah. Yin's going down South side tonight. You're like, and, and those are the types of people calling in to the local. I can't listen to that. I'm sorry. It's I understandable. Do it. But, yeah, but I I would be shocked. You know, I, James Conner clearly not coming back. I don't think uh, James White, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake. I don't. I would be surprised if any of them came to Pittsburgh. I do think they attack the position in the draft. I I, I think that's the route they go. I, Seattle's an intriguing option. Leonard Fournette might be getting interest there. And I, I listen. I don't. I don't even want to ask Dan because if Leonard Fournette goes to Seattle. And he's the lead back. Let's say he gets a two-year deal. Dan's might have him as the number one <laughs> overall pick in the startup. So AJ McCaffrey. Yeah, getting away from that bias a little bit. Uh, Mitch, I would be intrigued as well. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's all these back, but that's what I was saying, right? Is there's so many good landing spots left that that's what's going to take over Twitter. All we need is one of these backs to sign in one of those places. Then all of a sudden you're going to actually see good trade bait happening. Because what we saw previously is we saw like people getting mad and putting AJ Dillon on their trade bait. And there hasn't been any running backs that you feel good trading for right now. There's just like no news coming out. But once we see Chris Carson signed, or say it's James Conner, say James Conner goes to the Jets. He's immediately someone that's going to draw some attention, you know, some interest on the trade market. We haven't seen that lately a pittsburgh running back go over to the new york jets that really worked out well last time but you know wow. uh, in, uh another mess up on my part i forgot jamal williams on my list and we spent i think 37 minutes talking about jamal williams last week <laughs> well, that's yeah, why we, we covered him yeah we're, yeah so i don't know how i forgot it do you guys think dan do you think once we see one of these running backs go that is the turning point here and the domino effect it's just like boom 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 uh, you know, I, I don't even know who the standout is at this point. Is Chris Carson the, the top option, do you think? 
I think it's like either Carson or Fournette. I mean, I think it's those two and, and then the rest. I think Lenny, we we pretty have a pretty good idea where he's going. I really do hope he does go to Seattle, guys. Not that I don't like Tampa Bay, but I can still see there being some Rojo weeks and Keyshawn Vaughn increasing a little bit. So I just think there's a clear opportunity in Seattle, and it's a perfect system. Uh, so I'm going to take the bias aside. He's not going to skyrocket up my rankings, but he's going to solidify where he is. as kind of like an RB3. I just would love that landing spot and feel good about my investment. And then Carson, I think we're just all hoping he finds that good landing spot, whether it's um, you know Arizona or Falcons. We would love to see um, you know if he could just get one of those gigs, that'd be that'd be really nice. Connor and Connor's like just still that wild card to me. Like there's just upside, but risk. I mean, I, I think his value will be right where it was. It's just, we'll see. Mitch, is it fair to say Fournette and Carson one a one B, however you want to look at them. And then maybe like Kenyon Drake, James Connor, and then James White and Jamal Williams paired. Yeah, together. I think how you list it was really good. Yeah. And then maybe within their own tiers, they would flip and flop depending on the landing spot. But uh, yeah, I, I think Arizona, you know, I know there's a lot of questions about this rookie class. Maybe it's not as deep as people would like. It it doesn't have the, the high-end Barkley, Zeke, yeah. players like that. Jonathan Taylor. But still, there are going to be teams that, hey, we can address this in the the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. We don't have to spend an arm and a leg on a running back in James Conner that might be healthy for four games. Isn't it amazing that Leonard Fournette is kind of I mean, he might be the back that the NFL likes more than Chris Carson, right? And we look back, what, eight weeks ago now? And in Dynasty, you probably could have had him for a third. Yeah. And then he went on that run. And then he he became Lombardi Lenny. And he was the one whose value really spiked. And again, I'm not saying he's a a first-round rookie pick value, but he's one that went from irrelevant to having some life shot into him there. I think where I like him over Carson is, okay, so we have the pedigree. He took advantage of, the, of his recent opportunity, as you're mentioning, John, but he's just healthy and solid. Like you, you take more risk when you look at Carson and Connor because of that durability. So if we have these guys in that same cluster, I'm going to take the one that's going to be reliable. You know, similar with, you know, hey, there's risk with Will Fuller and Sammy Watkins at wide receiver. You know, where Curtis Samuel, I think, is going to be more likely to be out there. So I like Samuel over a Will Fuller like I would like Lenny over Connor or Carson. All right. So, uh, Mitch, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We've seen some of these landing spots play out. Let's go with one of the running backs for you. Kenyon Drake, Carson, James White, James Connor, Leonard Fournette, Jamal Williams. You get to pick one where they go. Who is it? Where is it? Chris Carson Falcons. I think he just fits everything they need. And, you know, but dad brought up a good point. He has to stay healthy. If he doesn't stay healthy and then it's just another year like he had in Seattle, but he is a guy who can be a top 10 running back every single week in that offense. I mean, he has, he could catch the ball. He runs extremely well. So he's a guy that I just want to see him get in a good spot. And if I'm going to pick anybody else, it's not going to be James White. It's not going to be Kenyon Drake. You know, it's kind of going to be if Fournette can get that lead role, like in Seattle. But, you know, he could share it with Penny, too. So maybe it just is Chris Carson in Atlanta or with the Jets. 
And then James White, the report came out, well, the Buccaneers might be interested. Shocking. Whoa. Whoa. No way. Uh, Dan, out of the list of wide receivers that we talked about, where you can handpick one receiver to one landing spot. Who are you looking at here tomorrow? And I hope all this happens tomorrow. It's a Wednesday. We're looking to get through the week, get over that hump. What better way to do it than have 12, 13, 14 more free agents land somewhere? Yeah, I'd still love to see Aaron Rodgers, you know, for our boy Packy, who's, you know, always in our chat, go to Curtis Samuel, go there, you know, a Wait, time on, time on real quick. I was like, you Aaron Rodgers isn't a free agent. Okay. No, I, no, no. I, I, I want to see him get a wide receiver. Like, I really <laughs> love to see, like, Samuel was, probably, I said earlier, is probably the guy I'm highest on. I'd love to see him go with, like, an Aaron Rodgers and just put on a clinic there. So that would be my favorite receiver and, and probably favorite landing spot and kill a little bit of that Green Bay buzz of neglecting wide receiver. And then, oh, and then I, I didn't mention Rob Gronkowski getting extended. Mitch, you were excited about that because there were some leagues that you didn't get a tight end early or you may have uh, picked up Gronkowski off free agent list early last year. And he's bailing you out once again, man. Dude, it's every single league. I, I maxed my fab out on him. I didn't, I didn't care because I mean, our leagues are pretty deep anyway. So the, I maxed my fab out on Drew sample. You sure did. You sure did. And so I did it (laughs) and it was horrible for the last 12, for the first 12 weeks. I mean, he wasn't doing anything. Then the last part of the season, Brady started getting involved in it. It worked out pretty well, ROI wise. Yeah, yeah. That was a nice score. I had some, not as much as you there, Mitchell, but I got some fab to spend on Gronk. It was definitely a nice one, and you know, we we knew he was going to land there. I'm more curious now. You know, no one's really talking about OJ Howard, and there's there's always that. I'm, I've been an OJ truther for the longest time. I, I still hope there's something left with him. He's such an athlete, and I know Gerald Everett's still out there too. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. So there's a couple of tight ends that'll be interesting to see if they could go somewhere good. Yeah, Gerald Everett, where <sighs> I, don't, I don't even know. And you got Ertz on the trade market too there. So no, Jacksonville got Chris Manhurts from Carolina. <laughs> my, they bad. my bad. Man, I really thought Hunter Henry was gonna go there. I really did. That, yeah. that was I, I saw I, I saw Henry's name in like the little blurb on, on Twitter. I was like, Jacksonville, and I saw New England. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. But anyway. Final thoughts. Dan, final thoughts. Uh, what is this? Episode 109. 109. What do you final. have for listeners? This this has been a blast these last couple of days of free agency. We know this is one of our favorite times of the year. You know, previous Dynasty Theory episodes, we talked about the coaches and the direction and the GMs, the direction these teams are going in. We're very excited. Like the draft will be the kind of next thing, especially in watching the quarterbacks. But as we watch the direction of these teams, I I want to go back to Mitchell's Giant or Giants. Listen to me, Mitchell's Lions. There, the Detroit Lions. I was listening to Peter King's podcast, and their new GM was super interesting. You you talk about analytics, and I went through this last year with Mike McCarthy in Dallas. He's you know talking about how he studied analytics, and I don't know what analytics he studied because it didn't come together in, in, in the football <laughs> season. Whatever analytics he studied, but I'm gonna throw out like this fancy. Uh, saying that Brad Holmes, the GMs of the Lions, had. And he talked about, they said like the Lions management was so impressed because he had fusion of scouts' intuition into analytics. The fusion of the scouts' intuition into analytics. And he talked about the accountability of it. And Mike McCarthy didn't talk about anything about accountability. He just <laughs> talked about, you know, 
looking at pro football focus and Holmes mentioned pro football focus and next gen stats. They're sites that all three of us and our listeners have referenced. And he just says, you know, Hey, the, I say one thing and the analytics say another, he wants to know why. And, you know, we talked, you know, you guys love the analytics. I love the film. You got a GM there that's looking at and has had some success in past drafts of finding guys in the middle rounds. So, so Mitch, to your Lions there, man, as we look at the direction, he, he said some really things that caught my interest and, and I'll watch. And, hey, maybe Detroit builds a little bit in the draft. So as like we watch it. these dominoes fall, let's see what direction these teams keep moving in. Yeah, I, I, I just I, – I cannot wait for tomorrow. And I'm sure that Fitzpatrick news last night, that broke it like – 11 Eastern. It, it was a little bit later. So I keep checking my phone. I'm like, is something going to drop here tonight? Mitch, what do you have for our listeners? Final thought here for the hundred and ninth time. So a lot of people are getting a stimulus this week, right? We could see a lot of leagues start. The Patriots spent theirs. Yes. This Patriots <laughs> spent all of ours, obviously. But we're going to see a lot of leagues start. And I will say this. Make sure it's a good commissioner. I have never seen a league fail because of a good commissioner. I have seen many leagues fail because of bad commissioners. I haven't seen a league fail because of bad owners very often. You know, a good commissioner could take care of that. But if you have a commissioner that you can't put faith in, you can't put faith in that dynasty league. So you might as well play redraft. That's it. That's great advice. And before you close this out, John, I just want to say we, we were hoping for some. We didn't quite get breaking news, but there is one report right now that my boy Curtis Samuel is a target of the Washington football team. That would make well, a lot of sense. Does that hurt Antonio Gibson? No. A little bit of that hybrid role? I don't think anyone's going to use Curtis Samuel as a hybrid, really. I think that was just the Panthers sort of thing because they okay. didn't have McCaffrey. That's just my opinion. I'm just asking the question because then I, I you saw – the. Uh, Curtis Samuel, and this was not even a rumor. It was just the Curtis Samuel Urban Meyer connections. You know, well, maybe he goes to to Jacksonville, and it's like, well, Curtis Samuel and Lavisca Chenault. That seems a little redundant to me. But yeah, let's get let's get Washington some more weapons, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let, let's let's get one great fantasy season from him. So hopefully, uh. We see something happen there. All right. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. Let's get some more free agent signings tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody.